HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Boys. Southern, what's got you bitter these days, man? Man, oh man, uh, glad you asked. And, and great segue, by the way. Um, listen, yesterday, Shaker and Spoon, our good friends from the show, the the, the, the people we've done our cocktail box with, no, uh, the well. Speakeasy Cocktail Box, have launched a Better with Bitters experience via Kickstarter, and I'm part of it, as you might imagine. Um and uh, we crushed our initial goal uh, of ten thousand dollars in less than twenty minutes, guys. Uh, and currently, we're at seventy-three thousand plus dollars in, in less than twenty-four hours. It's pretty crazy. Um, but we want to keep the energy going and get people to back it. We've already done a stretch goal. We're about to do a second stretch goal. Um, we're going to send out uh, the, the 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 whole experience involves sending out a box that has twelve different bitters in it. We're going to make three different cocktails multiple times each. So that when you walk away from this box, you have a, a very clear and present understanding of how to use bitters and when to use bitters. Um, and there's also lots of, um, you know, I don't know how Kickstarter works. I've never even backed one, but lots of rewards and add-ons and they involve me and maybe having a party with me out at the Shaker and Spoon facility. Um, but uh, like, and those, there's only a few of those, right? So you got to go get them quick. So highly encourage if you're interested in bitters, which if you listen to the show, you probably are, um, that you check out the Kickstarter for Shaker and Spoon. It's called The Better with Bitters Experience. Um, and, and we're so thankful for all the people who backed us so quickly and so fast. It's pretty, pretty fucking amazing. Matt, that's, that's awesome. And congratulations to you. And also listener, you heard it here first. Souther doesn't know what all the reward tiers are. There could be something super weird oh, yeah. in there that he doesn't know he's agreed to. So <laughs> now's the time. Well, it probably is. You know, if yeah. you guys know Anna and Mike from Shaker and Spoon, there's probably stuff in there that I have foolishly agreed to. <laughs> yep. I didn't think so about you that. could win his red glasses. Yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> for a net bicycle. I mean, the, 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 no one, it's a mystery box. Nobody knows. Um, actually, I'm, I hope the folks at Shaker and Spoon do, but Souther doesn't, and that's the point. Yeah, um, that congratulations, man. That's awesome. Hey, man, thanks. Uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't do it without the community that loves us so much. And, man, the, uh, what good timing, right? This was in the works in planning before we did our box with Shaker and Spoon, which was in the works in planning before we knew we won the Tales uh, uh, Spirited Award. These things, like, we're, we're, I feel like we're on a roll, team. 
Yeah, everything's coming up speakeasy, man. It's great. Uh, well, uh, well speaking, speaking of coming up on the speakeasy. Oh, we, oh, oh, we got, yeah. <laughs> We're killing it with our segues today. Go us. Uh, joining us today in the studio, we have from Apotech uh, in Chinatown and LA, and now very recently in Nomad, we have Nicholas O'Connor. Nick, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you? Hello, guys. Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It's it's awesome to have you here. I was also realizing as I was saying the name of your bar, I've never actually heard it pronounced. I've you been said going it really there for well. years. I was thinking the I've same seen thing. it written down. But as I was going into it, I was like, I have no idea if I'm gonna fuck this up or not. So how did I do? <laughs> you went with you went with confidence, which made it good. It's it's so funny. When we you know, we've been open 15 years now, and uh, like the first year or so, we never wrote the name down. Um, and we liked that it was sort of this like conversation piece, like, what are we saying? Like, is it Apotech, Apotheque, Apotheque? Um, you know, so it's it's based off the German word. I always thought it was apothecary, like apothecary, but like in the weird. Yeah, well, okay, it's based off the Germanic word for apothecary, which is like apothique, uh, uh, apotheque. But we always thought of it as like an apothecary and a boutique mixed together. So it would be an apothecary, right? So apothecary boutique, if we want to throw that, that in there. Um, and we just sort of like the old world nature of, you know, the Germanic expression for it. Thinking about, you know, back to old apothecary style of, uh, you know, medicine houses to come uh, feel better. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was it was the first bar that I saw. I, I If I remember correctly, it was the first bar that I saw in New York City with an absent fountain. Um, but also it was just like awe-inspired like this the that little curve that that street that it's on it's like it's like a set in a movie it's like it 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 actually is it reminds me of that like the flat and like lock stock and two smoking barrels it's like that one like weird little curve like kind of downtown street it's yeah, like the so coolest that, location <laughs> that's actually called that's called the bloody angle yeah and uh and it's right off yeah. the original five points in, in new york city off of chapman square and it, it's this one, for people who don't know, it's this one block, right? And it's L-shaped. And uh, as legend has it, I'll probably butcher this a little bit, but, it, you know, in the late 1800s, uh, the largest gang battle in New York City history was on that street. And I guess the way it has is two different rival gangs were just walking down the street. And since it's an L-shape, they didn't see each other until it was too late. And we're just on top of each other. Um, and then there's this let, you know, in Chinatown, all the buildings are connected through underground passages. Mm -hmm. So the reason they know about this huge fight was as, as like people came onto the scene after the fact, they just counted all the bloody spots because all the bodies have been pulled off of the street and down into these catacombs. And, you know, underneath Apotech for us, we, we go three, we go four stories down and, uh, Whoa. things have changed with some new businesses opening, um, some great stuff next door. But when we first opened, we we're building, you know, like 16, 17 years ago, I could get about half a block up, like underground, like into other people's spaces. It was like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's changed a little over the last 15 years, but so has a lot of men. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. <laughs> yeah. So the bloody angle. Um, but yeah, I, I remember when I first got the job or was being courted for the job, um, I had worked for, you know, a couple different companies and I had really been all over the city and, uh, uh, a man named Albert Trummer, who was sort of who brought me on the project, he, he was sort of a legend in his own right. He mm -hmm. um, he was like, you'll never know where this this place is. And I'm like, try me. He's like, it's in Manhattan. I was like, try me, dude. I worked as a delivery guy for years. Like, I know every street. Right. And he's like, Doyer Street. And I'm like, Doyer's like 
like the LA Dodgers, like Doyers, like what? And he's like, no, it's right. It's right off the Bowery. And I was like, oh man, it's just this one little block. It's so cool. So it does. It looks like big trouble in little China back lot. Like it's, it's almost unreal. Yeah. It really has that, that movie set vibe as you, as you approach. And then when you get in the space, there's a similar vibe and feel. Talk a little bit about um, um, what the interior of the, the original space does. It looks like. Yeah. So when we first got the space, it used to, it had been the golden flower restaurant. Um, which had specialized in mango dishes and had been there for like 20 years or so. Um, so it was like stucco ceiling and, you know, very bright sort of traditional, what you think of like a Chinese restaurant of, um, you know, the seventies and the eighties. And uh, we got in there and our whole goal is we loved the outside, the street, everything was going on. We wanted that. We wanted a huge transition inside, right? You almost walk down the street. You're like, where am I? Am I going to get jumped? Like what's going on here? And then you walk through these two doors, you know, we talk about speakeasy. This is, you know, right when that was starting to get really popular too, you know, a little bit before, uh, before like, you know, PDT came in and Death and Co and all that. Uh, so we really wanted that transition of coming like, where am I? And like getting like thrown into a different world, like a new world, like a new sensation. And I hate to say it. It's the best moment of the bars when you first walk in. <laughs> Cause it's just so like, I'd like to think the drinks are good too, but when you first walk in, it's this moment of just, wow, I've just discovered something special and it really creates its own atmosphere and vibe. And then we get to sort of, treat you on top with hospitality and the fun creations that we come up with. Uh, but just sort of creating almost like a, just a magic sort of late night Disneyland. Um, but it isn't too over the top, you know? Well, do you, do you feel like you, do you feel like you maybe had to rein yourself in a little? Because my memories of the early days of, of the bar were, it was quite over the top. Do you, do you feel like sure, you kind of I toned agree. down as time has gone on? That or everyone else caught up. Um <laughs> <laughs> So we don't set the whole bar on fire anymore. We have calmed it down That's a little what I was bit. Referring to. <laughs> I didn't want to jump right into that, but yeah, the bar used to be kind of always on fire. <laughs> I don't, I don't have legal on the line with me, so I don't know how deep I can get into all that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we do less, less fire, a little more, a uh, little more technique, right? Um, but we still try to carry that air of of showmanship and fun and creating unique experiences. You know, like. Uh, we really believe in, in curating the entire experience, right? So from how it's, we create our own candles, you know, we curate the music, we want the smell, the taste, the look, everything to just create a, a full moment, you know, and really like transport people and it's give them an escape from their everyday. So I'm, I'm very curious about this because, you know, one of the things that I, that I love about your original location in Chinatown is the fact that it is that very perf like, transformative boutique um a space where every it feels like right down to like the weird little pigtail thing that you have on the bathroom sink like everything feels like there's there's not a detail that hasn't been thought of and now that you have a couple other locations i want to know what is your what is your strategy for adapting to a new place because i just went to your rooftop spot in nomad a little while ago and it was gorgeous and it was very similar right but 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 its own space completely exactly yeah how do you how do you adapt the dna of a place like that to a second or a third location well, so the first one, um, you know, our, our main designer who sadly passed away about a year and a half ago, um, who designed all three locations, uh, Christopher Tierney, who was uh, our primary owner as well. Um, so shout outs to Chris. Uh, he had an amazing vision. It was an unbelievable uh, architect and designer. And a lot of that first one was his ideas incorporated with ours ideas and how to make it functionally work. Um, and really created this amazing space. And, and you're right about the attention to detail. It was it was trying to create this Chinatown little hole into something like amazing. And so there was a lot of specifics to do. You mentioned that bathroom. That's actually an old still, part of an old still that we have for the sink. Oh, that's right. Um, 
But also that bathroom, if you notice, it's only like, it's like five feet by five feet. It's so small. We have also no back of house there. So it was really, it's just trying to get the most out of your space and everything's incredibly unique. And um, we did really, really well with, with, with Chinatown location and it was great. And we didn't actually open our second one till another eight years later. So we really sat with that location and really understood what it was and what it means. Uh, and then when we moved to our second space, which is in Los Angeles, um, we wanted to, of course, take what worked and what we really loved about the original location, but we wanted to make it special and different. You know, So we wear the same uniform, same lab coats. We have the same marble bar top that's underlit uh, and some similar aesthetic things, but that's about it. Everything else is unique to the space. You know, Our Los Angeles space has a huge outside area, right? even bigger than the one on the roof at Nomad, um, which uh, is our largest space of any of our locations. Um, so we really leaned into landscaping. We have tons of plants out there and it's, uh, we have the bar, our marble bar actually continues all the way outside and we have a full 20 foot long marble, uh, marbled onyx bar top out there. So it's all hints to the original, um, but you have to really like breathe into the space and make sure and get out of it what you can and how much it works. And, and you know, with like Nomad, with the new one, we're a basement and a roof with our own private elevator, 12 stories, not 13 stories, 12 stories. <laughs> and um, it uh, that's brought out all kinds of its own problems, you know, um, and and things to, to work on to make it unique. You know, we have really low ceilings downstairs, um, but we built these amazing bays that I think really open up the room with infinity mirrors in it to really open up. So it's, you just got to work with each space and uh, see how it goes. We also want to get lots of people in there and serve lots of drinks. So there's all kinds of... Sure. All kinds of issues. I was just going to say that uh, I always say that like your one of your most important business partners is the actual space itself, you know, it, and yeah. what it actually allows you to do as a business. And you have to and you have to work with your space just like you would a business partner. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, Amori Margo, I couldn't agree more with, with this. 241 size. square feet. <laughs> and the constraint. <laughs> right. there. He's like a five by five bathroom. I'm like, that's huge, man. <laughs> uh, but let's talk a little bit. You were starting to lead into like, uh, you know, um, the size of the spaces compared to what you have in the original location. So how are you like scaling up and producing, you know, the the sort of quality of, of cocktails that you you do without sacrificing any any of that for for the larger scale? Like, how do you how does one start in such a small venue and broaden themselves out and still maintain the, the standards yeah well it's been it's definitely been something we've worked on a ton um moving into los angeles it was about double the capacity um so we actually just mirrored the bar twice so we it, it's literally double the size we have an indoor space and an outdoor space so we actually just mirror what we do what we've always done in chinatown we do that in and out um the same we run what's called a um expediter service but we do like a front house expediter which I haven't seen at too many bars. It, it, they were yeah. just like how no, it would it's work. Pretty, it's pretty rare, but I want I want to hear about it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, fascinating. Let's go. Yeah, well, so so to allow you know when we were first working on a lot of the drinks, we wanted to keep the touches down for the bartenders. You know how many ingredients, how many bottles they have to uh, grab, but we didn't want to limit the freshness in what we were doing. Um, we found that so much of the time was spent dealing uh, with the customer, the ordering, explaining what we do, taking money, taking payment, so much face time with the customer, which we really, I think in, in good hospitality, something that's incredibly important and needs to be addressed. But then also when you have a menu of 16 drinks, we used to be 30. We've cut that way down. But about the last 10 years, we've been down to 14 to 16 drinks. When we start, we had 30 for the first four years, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but so we wanted to maintain the bartenders that can make all these uh, elaborate big drinks with all these different ingredients, but then also vocalize them and explain to people what we're doing, 
um, while also having large numbers and move it through. So we did much like in a kitchen, we used an expediter, but at the front of house. So we have two different tiers behind the bar. Our bartenders wear lab coats and they're our mixologists. And we split the menu into sections. Um, and uh, so we'll split like Chinatown, for example, we split it into three sections. So there'll be three different bartenders on shift. And then we'll have two expediters who make the initial contact, take orders and then redistribute where they come from. So if someone orders four drinks, two of them might be from station one and then one from station two and one from station three. So then the expediter will drop a ticket, if you will. We have a different system. We use dice, but they'll drop like a ticket to each bartender who can continue to talk to the person in front of them, do their thing. But then also they know what drinks are coming up. They might be four or five, six, seven deep. Um, and then while that's all going on, the uh, expediter can then go to new customers, take new orders, keep the process going. They can close out the uh, the people whose drinks are being made currently. You know, So while they're working on your drinks right now, can I open a tab, close you out? So then it's cutting that time down. Um, and also it allows for, hey, guys, your drink's third up in the middle station. There might be a little something fun to that drink. Check that out. Watch what they're doing. Uh, so it keeps people more engaged. You know, it's, it's so I always think the classic thing, when a customer says they've been waiting for three minutes, it's actually only been like 45 seconds. When they say they've been waiting for 10 minutes, it's been like three minutes maybe. So as long as it, it really helps with keeping people engaged, there's always something to walk, look at. You always have a bartender there or a mixologist doing something, moving their hands, using the, the showing off the mise en place rather than staring at someone at a register or just fiddling with a handheld. So it just allows, it sort of spreads the work and allows to have more creative creativity and more time per cocktail for each bartender. And then it allows for volume to go faster because we're using an expediter. Very cool. I think, I think it's brilliant. Talk to me a little yeah. bit more about the dice. Where does, is this like, <laughs> like do, if you lose, you have to like jump on the line? Like, how does it work? Like, what, <laughs> where does that come into it? Well, no, it was a way to, so we, we love a good ambiance as we've talked about. So we like dim lighting. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and a lot of times, you know, when we have our busier nights, Fridays, Saturday nights, you know, uh, you know, when we're at capacity, a bartender will ha could have, you know, up to seven, eight, nine, ten drinks behind on their tickets, right? So we use the different dice. We have multiple expediters placing in these orders. So each expediter has their own color of dice, right? See, and then each station has its, its, its like six to ten drinks. So they'll actually place the dice with the specific number. So then they know which glass, um, which, which glass it needs and who it's going to, which expediter. So like, say Johnny is, is the, has the green dice today, they know that drink's going. So if the drink's sitting there and Johnny's taking someone else's order and that drink's up, they can vocalize, hey, Johnny, your drink's here, it's ready. It's just to help communicate. It's a color coding system as well as a numbering system. So we just use little dice. That's unbelievable. Um, You've made expediting fun. I didn't think that that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, also tickets, get, we, we used to use tickets a lot too, but they, you know, a bar can get kind of messy and kind of wet and it's just, it's a great way. We also, we have the expediters mark the glassware as well. A lot of our more intense garnishes will be done by the expediter upon presentation of the drink. Uh, so there's just little different ways. You know, sometimes it'll be we have one called like the deal closer and it's just a cucumber garnish on top. We can churn that one out a little bit quicker. So then they'll just throw the dice, drop the glassware and, you know, oh, I just have to make six of those and then get them out. Whereas, you know, some we involve smoke, fire, that kind of thing. Not too much fire. It's on fire. <laughs> and um, so in that respect, they'll leave the dice and the specific and you'll know, oh, that'll have, you know, the expediter will hit the garnish first or have it ready or prepped going into the drink. And that's all part of their placement. So that, and it also helps, we want the, the mixologist in place. We want all three stations pretty much always occupied. That's sort of, want to keep that visual and keep that. Right, for a visual cue for your guests. I mean, I, this sounds 
so cool. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've cultivated this over the years that you've been open 15 years down in that location. That's pretty incredible. And then to be able to extrapolate it and use it at the two new locations too. That's great. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of heritage radio network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. You know, how I'm just looking at the notes that you sent over here, and I want to talk about the things you want to talk about. So talk to me about what you feel has changed uh, in, you know, the palate uh, of the, you know, cocktail bar visitor uh, since you've been open in, since 2008. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So I, I've been in a really lucky position being with the Opatech for this long. Um, you know, I've had other jobs. Uh, I've done a lot of other things. And, and a lot of times, especially when it comes to creation and the, the cocktail program itself, um, it, it's, it's almost like homework a lot. You have to fit like I'm doing a sports bar or I'm doing this is a quick spot. And what's been unbelievable about Opatec is it's kind of been, and this is a testament to the ownership and all the people we've worked there, it's, it's kind of a blank canvas for us. And we can do kind of whatever we want um, and, and present uh, our cocktails. Um, and I know, you know, 15 years ago when we first started, you know, we only carry a single beer. We only have uh, one red, house red, one house white. Um, and, and we only carry, of any type of spirit, we only carry up to four expressions. Uh, so we're not a bar where you come for big choices. You don't come for a big single malt. You don't come for, you come for what we create and what we can put in the glass. And we try to curate all of that and only use brands we like that have a story we really like. Um, and I think that's been really fun, but, you know, and I've watched over these 15 years, I've watched people come in and be like, no, I want my vodka Red Bull. And it's like, I'm sorry, we don't carry Red Bull. So now people are so much more open to trying things and want new things and new tastes. And, you know, it goes along with food too, with the organic movement, people paying so much more attention to what they take into their body and what they have sort of plays uh, coincides what we've been trying to do this whole time of, you know, presenting new, fun, exotic, cool stuff, but then also done with a, you know, we don't make healthy cocktails. We make healthier cocktails. So all these fresh ingredients. We make everything in house except the liquor. Yeah, um, you can't have you can't have everything for everyone. You have to have something for everyone, but not everything for everyone, right? And it's, it's sure. better to have the thing that you do best and put that forward for them. Yeah. And, and do it in the right way too. Because hospitality is so important. You know, it's so easy to cross that line to become so pretentious. Like, no, we make this. Like, you need a chair. You need a seat. Like, you know, we want to have fun. We have DJs. We have a great time. Um, we just also want people to sort of enjoy what we do, right? So we, we often limit what's available. Like we don't really carry mint anywhere. Like I don't mind mint. I love mint. Like mint's the king of the king of the earth, right? It's the toothpaste. It's a gum. Like it's the only one. But like I, flavorly, it, you know, it, it, it's associated with mojito. And it's not that you – mojito is a fantastic drink. It's unbelievable. Like if only I can come up with a mojito one day that's like across the world. But, but you can get a mojito at any bar. And we kind of have a line out front. So maybe we just don't have mint. So like 
love your order, love the mojito, but hey, how about you let us make something with kaffir lime leaf and rum and come up with something fun? And and that, you know, people are so used to what they want in a bar. Like they go to their bar, they get their order. So I've watched that become easier over the years. People now are so much more like, yeah, there was always people open to it, right? It's still fun. But now I think people are just so much more explorative with their palates and they, they take so much more in. And and if you go to like, I was at like, what was that? Uh, Outback Steakhouse has like a mixology menu now. It's like, it's it's gone both ways. You know what I mean? Like they're trying a little more. Uh, I didn't have any of the cocktails, so I'm not sure Outback, but I'm sure it's great. But <laughs> it, it's interesting how it's just becoming a little more mainstream to have more excitement, you know? And if, whether that's just because people like taking more pictures, the Instagram age, whatever, or it's just Dude, people are paying more attention with their palate. I just, I like where yeah. it's moving because it's definitely moving in a more interesting way and less cookie cutter and allows us to work a little more out of the box, like savory notes in cocktails. In the last five years, there's almost nothing I can't put in a glass anymore. Whereas before, maybe four people would order it a week, you know, mm -hmm. where we've watched those numbers start to even out where it's not just the vodka drink, right? You know, it's, it's the, everything. I, I tell you, I wrote an article for Eater, like, in 2009 or something like that. And I, I you brought up Albay. I, I reviewed the TGI Fridays Union Square Manhattan uh, <laughs> cocktail menu because they were saying they were buying all these fresh ingredients from the Union Square Farmer's Market. But, you know, they were using, like, cotton candy in their, their cocktails and, it, like, stupid shit like that. Um, but, you know, now, like, I actually went to a TGI Fridays, funnily enough, um, about two months ago and i was just looking i was out of curiosity i was looking at their cocktail menu and it's like you know they've got like a freaking negroni on there now and so like it's exactly what you're talking about it's like it's really i think that you know we've we've done these episodes where we uh, and we talked about like gatekeepers uh the people the first people that you see like usually it's like the door person or the the host or maybe the expediter right but it's it, when when guests come into these certain types of places they're starting, as you said, like they're they're starting to treat every place like a cocktail bar. They're they're being more open minded to it. So you know, places like Epitech that have been doing it for, geez, for since two thousand eight. You know, like 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 you said earlier in this episode, it's like people just started catching up, and that's great. That's great for us, and that's great for the industry. That's great for the fact that like you know, it used to be just a real crazy thing to get a manhattan with rye whiskey in it you know right. <laughs> like i feel I like know, we're totally. we're uh we're talking about some things that are just we that, that we took for granted for for being in the industry and just kind of like the floating 20 dollar bill you know like where we'd all go yeah. visit each other and tip each other the same 20 dollar bill and not pay yeah, for totally. uh, but, but now it's like literally like anywhere you go it's like trade like i say this all the time trader joe's has a bottled Negroni cocktail that says Trader yeah. Joe's on it. So that's where we're at these days. So yeah, I think that the general consumers are, they're out there for it. They go there for it, not just to go have their their vodka Red Bull, as you said before. And they also appreciate it too. Right? Yeah. So I think also just real quickly, yeah, I think real quickly yeah. that people, people, less and less people have a drink. You know, my dad and his generation and my grandfather, they had their drink. It doesn't matter if it's 10 degrees or 110 degrees. It doesn't matter if it's their birthday or New Year's Eve. That's the drink they're drinking, right? I think people now are more interested in, in drinking the thing that is happening at the place they're at. Yeah. But you know, I just want to say this, Souther, like, you know, like that's that's thanks to places yeah. that have established that kind of, the, that that ROS, right? And like places like Epitech, 
places like Amori Margo, uh, you know, Grand Army came later. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's just, I remember when, like, when we had to, you know, just, it, it was exhausting trying to explain. I think the, the cool thing about this episode and our guest today, talking about Epitech and the one in LA and the one in Nomad, is that I think the real takeaway from this, to, to me personally, is that we fucking made it. <laughs> like yeah. as far as like, as far as our <laughs> industry goes, like we did the thing. It finally happened. The thing that we always bitched about, like at four to six in the morning, you know, smoking cigarettes in the bar after it closed. Uh, you know, just just so upset about the fact that no one no one gets me. You know, like <laughs> like we we finally got to the point where it's like you can have one, two, three Apotex in the United States. That's incredible. And I think yeah. that's like you should be, feel really proud about that, Nick. And like, so yeah. like, I know that you just you just kind of opened it. Like, I, are you planning on expanding like out of the country? I mean, like, a lot of I, I know a lot of the like kind of contemporary bars have to like employees only. You know, they they went global, and you know, like there there's even the Nomad. You know, they the you know there's one in London now that are are some of our good friends work at. You know, and like, is that like uh, is that a, a I know you you've we we are really appreciative of what you've done, but there's like, there's lofty goals and it always has been that way with Apotec. Is there a plan for the future to maybe go abroad? Uh, I would love to go abroad and I hope all of our partners are listening. <laughs> I, let's get abroad now. Uh, the, that's not necessarily currently on the plan right now. We do have some really fun upcoming stuff. Again, I don't have legal on with me, uh, but um <laughs> So I'm not exactly sure. I know we have a big thing, a big announcement next month, and I don't think I can I can spill it. Uh, so very excited about that. And then we've also been doing some consulting. Um, so sort of taking on other people's programs. I um, I run the program for the Goldner Hirsch. It's in Park City, Utah. Uh, yeah, and then we I have an upcoming. Yeah, great, very cool spot. Um, I'm cool now going to start. I'm going to start skiing now. Uh, yeah. and, uh, so that's a really amazing, and that's, that's actually a program. So it's the golden Hirsch, but it's curated by Optech. So it's, it's fully Optech branded and using our program, our systems, not quite an expediter yet, but using our systems and our techniques and really elevating it. Uh, and then I have, we have one coming out in a program in Denver coming out, uh, by the end of this year. Um, so we're definitely expanding within the continental U S you know, putting our, our footprint out more, um, and, and honestly looking for new projects really want to expand. Um, I had mentioned, you know, sadly, our, our primary owner had passed away about a year and a half ago. Um, he was our architect, our full architect designer. Uh, and um, that was sort of in about eight months before we opened Nomad. Um, so the full sort of focus of everything really jumped to Nomad for us because all of a sudden, a couple of us who've never designed a bar had to design a bar uh, and just dealing with all that stuff. Um, so I think the focus is definitely to have more locations and to expand and sort of to ride, ride the wave we're in. Because um, like you said about making it, right? Like it's hard to think of bars that make it over like, you know, through a generation, right? Because you have cool right. places that are cool and then and they have their run for five or six years. You know, I can think about, you know, I moved to New York when I was 20 years old. I'm from Los Angeles. And I can think of when I first got here, the first, you know, bars that I went to, I, I don't like none of them are still around unless they're like full institutions, right? Right. Like this. Uh, so so to the fact that we've made it, you know, it's funny when I go to the original location, I feel like way too old. 
I'm like, how are these kids here? Like, <laughs> how are we, how are we still cool? You know, like, wow. Like the, I feel really way too old here and we're still like happening. It's still a line on a Friday night after 15 years. So it's just, it is really, it, it, it's unbelievable. We've made this far. And I'm just so grateful because I've been a part of a bunch of projects that didn't make it. Um, and also add, adds a little validation to, you know, what we did, you know, what we've been doing. It, you talk about, they get us, right? Like it, you know, a lot of times you're like, man, I'm doing this infusion for an extra, you know, three days. I'm cooking in low heat, simmering it. Like, is all this extra work worth it? Did they even like get the extra bergamot? Like, is it even working? Right. Like, does this make any sense? And I think it really has. And it's, it's kept us around. And that just if it, 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 it gives you a lot of confidence in, in, to keep exploring, keep trying new stuff. That's awesome, well, man. And I, I, I want to ask at, at the end of the show here, because this is this is always my favorite part of the show is asking our guests to predict the future because it's wildly unfair and I'm an asshole like that. But like now that <laughs> now that we have made it, where do where do we go from here? Now that we've got people to appreciate, like, ah, oh, I can taste the three-day infusion of the bergamot on this. Like what what do we do next? What what is what is new and exciting and interesting in this world? Oh, next we sell we out, dude. <laughs> it's a corporate sponsorship, man. I already have the streets. It's a it's a back alley in Chinatown. Let's go. I want to be in a mall in Duluth or something. Let's go. No, uh, no it's just totally continue. visit the shit out of your bar if it was in a mall in Duluth. I'm just saying. Right? But how about make the best mall bar in Duluth of all time? Like, uh, no, I just think I think what's cool is we talked about going more mainstream, people expanding it more. I just I want to get more drinks out to more people. I want to keep making new stuff. You know, I, I was, I, I don't bartend as much anymore. It's been about a year and a half now, but you know, I was bartending for about 18 years there, maybe four to five days a week. And um, my favorite part, like I loved all that. I love the hospitality. It just, uh, my legs, you know, get tired. So I love it. What I always wanted to move towards was a place where I could really focus on the creativity and really put whatever I felt like in the glass. You know, I like to try to draw inspiration from the smell, the sights, the sounds around me, uh, as well as the taste and, and really try to come up with stuff. So for me, I'm just in this amazing spot where I, I you know, I'm curating all three menus. Um, we're doing these side projects. We have, you know, we, we're doing EatsCon this weekend, um, which is a huge festival, 5,000 cocktails out in Flushing. Um, I'm teaching classes out there. Um, and it's, I'm in a great spot where I can continue to be creative and, and push out the craft. You know, I've, hopefully mentioned on this podcast a bunch the sort of the mixture of these amazing great fine craft but then also with hospitality and the time that you have so whether it's in Duluth in a mall or if it's in a back alley hidden in Chinatown like I want just that to keep going through and not worry it doesn't have to be cool it just ha it just is what it is and it becomes cool um yeah. plus so I listen, get to drink and have fun and hang out <laughs> yeah, listen, this, this all this all is totally exciting and I wish we had more time to so, so, say they were a little cut short today but where can our listener follow along with you and and see all these things that you're doing? You got a Instagram that you want to talk about? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we have each location has their own Instagram, right? So if you want specifics on like who's DJing there tonight or whatever, you can go to those are the different Optics. There's Optic NYC, Optic LA, and then um, Optic Nomad. Uh, but then we also have Optic Mixology is our sort of overlaying. Um, account and that's where we post new drinks new fun things and sort of cover the broader scale of all that so definitely optech mixology uh on instagram and then uh, our website is optechmixology.com so we've got we've got all that covered and uh yeah we do have a bunch of fun stuff coming up so i'm very excited you know nicholas i wanted to say this man and i i, I kind of like a, I, to me like i i I thank you for being on the show today, but like, but also I thank you for 
always being there with Epitech in New York City. And I haven't been to the other two yet, but I will. But the thing is, I love that you've talked a lot about hospitality on the show today. Because, I, and I would like to say this to every like kind of new bartender out there. It's like, don't get into it for the drinks. Get into it for the mixology. Or sorry, sorry, the hospitality. <laughs> now, don't get into the mixology. Get in for the hospitality. You can learn all about mixology and bartending, especially from people like Nicholas here, right? But the thing is, like, one thing you can't really fake, you can't learn it, you can't fake it, you can't, like, generate it in any other way. It's like, it's hospitality. If you really love that, it's always going to keep you excited. You'll never get bored. You'll ne- you'll always pursue a bigger and better way to do things in your career path if you're really, really passionate about taking care of people, innovating ways of ser- throwing dice at your bartenders, you know, things like that. Um, but it's it's really the most important thing. And like that's the through line to me is like from from what I've experienced with the bars and and with what you've talked about today, it's like it's all about taking care of people and providing that experience that mall bar in Duluth you know what they might they might come out to see you and have uh, a couple of cocktails I, if you're running that place you know what they're going to remember more than the cocktails is how they were taken care of and so I think that's probably the most important thing that we do in this industry would you not uh, would you agree with that Nicholas? oh 100% I often you know it's like like I said bartending for 18 years you definitely uh you contemplate life at different moments, especially way too early in the morning, right? And you know, I, I often look around. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. I'm not protecting people. And, you know, I you know after a bad shift or you get in the, you know you get in that one little fight or you know argument tip, and you're like, why am I even doing this? Like, what am I even helping? I'm just, just dealing with all these drunk people. But if you actually pull back and really look at it, it's like we do provide an amazing service and something that really helps people through their day and like providing a, a time and escape for someone and they can go out, they can forget about their problems. They can go spend a little money and, and have a night and then go back to whatever the world brings them or whatever happens. Like that moment is a really special and means a lot. Uh, so I just, it, hospitality really plays a big point in all of our lives. And I can't tell you how many times people have been like, wow, this is like one of the best experiences we've had. We're going to come back. We're not even from New York. And they'll visit once every like three to four years, right? I, I'll catch up with these people that I served the first time like 15 years ago. And I've only seen them like six times. But every time they come to New York, they'll come back to visit us just to create that moment, just to feel good. And like, absolutely, so it, it really gives purpose to what we're doing and not just, I want to make tips. And I want to like, I want that drink to be naturally black without charcoal. You know, like it's not always just about all that. It's about making the whole experience work. Uh, plus nerding out, you know, it makes it easier to nerd out when everyone's happy. Yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, man, this has been great having you on the show today. Uh, I mean, for the people out there listening, uh, if you haven't been to Epitech, any of the locations, definitely go. Uh, I, I, but I will say this, especially for me, uh, and I know that it's, I'm sure it's the same for the two of you, Southern Greg. Like, it's just that that first moment and every moment past that, that I went to, like, that first moment that I walked down Dodger Street, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your yours. Dodger Street, uh, which I'm upset about on Sunday. I went to the Giants-Dodgers game, and uh, you guys crushed us. So uh, I'm not. We're not going to call it Dodger Street. We'll call it Dodger. But um, the that it, it's a it's a magical moment when you walk around the corner and you see that weird curved alleyway, and you just. 
before you even get up to the door, you've already like been transported to another place in time. It's wild before you even get in there. So like definitely go check it out uh, and check out the rest of them. And Nicholas, thanks for being on the show today, man. It's good to catch up with you. Um, And uh, thanks for telling us about, dude, I can't wait to go to the Nomad location. I'm even closer to the LA location now, but uh, I'll I'll be, I'll be at both of them. So thanks for being on and telling us all about it. And thanks for continuing the amazing hospitality and creativity with Apotech and Dude, congrats on the longevity of, you mentioned before, a lot of places that they don't really make it this long and you're here to stay, man. You made it. So. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. Uh, We'd love to do it again. And you all have my, you all have my info now. So come visit. Um, I'm definitely both coast. I'm based out of Los Angeles, but I'm in New York, like at least seven months out of the year. So. Very cool. Sweet. Awesome. awesome. We will. See you soon. And everyone else should uh, as well. All right. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. And until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, cheers everybody. Cheers. Salute. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. 